1: What's up, Dolphins and welcome into the Thursday, October the 10th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host Travis Wingfield and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we've got an in-depth breakdown of a football game. We'll go into the film room, the schemes and the players of the Washington football team. We'll predict this game and discuss the ramifications of either result, plus Miami's strength of schedule going forward. My take on the players' take on tanking, and we'll wrap this thing up with some analogies for what this tank season is actually like for Dolphins fans. But before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL. Voted the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter by Dolphins Twitter. You can find the show at Locked on Fins. We'll follow you back. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com. There is a video thread breaking down some Washington football plays. I know, not the most exciting team, but I'm going to show you why the Dolphins could be in trouble and where they could have some advantages. Check that out, LOD.com. And we have a game on Sunday, so let's bring in the Mad Dog for the injury report. All right! And the Dolphins enter this game pretty banged up, but the good news from their standpoint is that everybody on the injury report was either limited or full participants. Those that were full were Charles Harris and Daniel Kilgore, the center. We'll hear from Dan Kilgore here in a minute. Limited participants, Jesse Davis, Jakeem Grant, Trent Harris, Xavier Howard on that list, Rashad Jones, Chris LeMons, Bobby McCain, Mark Walton, Albert Wilson, and Jamal Wiltz, all limited with various ailments. For Washington, they have a bunch of injured players as well. As far as who did not practice on Wednesday, Jordan Reed, Ross Piercebacher, Donald Penn, Wes Martin, and linebacker Josh Harvey Clemens. Expect all those guys to be down on Sunday. Limited participants were tight end Vernon Davis, Morgan Moses, the tackle, and Brandon Scherf, the guard. We'll talk more about that triumvirate here in just a second. And as far as players that were full participants, tight end Jerome Cunningham, starting cornerbacks Josh Norman and Quinton Dunbar, center Chase Rueh, and cornerback Simeon Thomas. And we'll update that report throughout the week, and we'll have it covered up on LockedOnDolphins.com. Let's go ahead and jump into this podcast. That's another so Washington fired their coach on Monday and it's time for a new head coach, a new program there. And I thought this was an apt time, probably going to be the last time I'd ever have a chance to use this audio, but to check in on how one other coach in the league views teams that axed their coach the week prior. And this was going to be the moment where I put Adam Gaze's audio from last year against the Minnesota Vikings, when he basically gave excuses for every game they lost on the road. And his excuse for the Vikings game was that they had just fired their offensive coordinator And their players were fired up. But the audio quality, because he grumbles so much, is not very good. So we'll go ahead and avoid that. But I want to talk about a few topics here off the cuff. First, Miami off the bye week. Mostly refreshed. Mostly healthy. You guys heard the report in the first segment here. But one of the things I'm really watching for is some of the tendency breakers they might go to, and coming out of the bye week with a refreshed plan, the Dolphins have been pretty good in that 15-play script on offense, getting a lot of completions from Josh Rosen, even the touchdown last week against the Chargers, and I expect them to have some similar success to start this game and the way they build the game plan and create opportunities based upon the looks they had shown previously, and quite frankly, that's going to be the number one thing I look at in the post-game recap as far as where this football team is Going, and I do believe this Dolphins coaching staff can coach circles around the Washington coaching staff, so I think that is a big advantage. For this team, we're going to get into the game preview in the next segment, but I wanted to talk about some of these numbers on a post at the Washington Post talking about Miami's strength of schedule, and I tweeted earlier in the week about rooting against the teams that Miami plays this season when those teams are playing other teams who are not on Miami's schedule. A tongue twister, I know, but the idea is you want the Dolphins to have as weak of a strength of schedule possible, so having those teams lose those games to teams Miami does not play strengthens other people strength of schedule and weakens Miami's and because that's the only tiebreaker before a coin flip determines the draft order when you have the same record and same strength of schedule it bears watching and I've been on this subject a bit the last few weeks and given the incredible imbalance in the league right now it stands to reason that Miami will have an advantage on any team in the NFC in the case of a tiebreaker because the NFC is so superior right now To the AFC, and you look at Washington's remaining schedule, it is far. Far harder than Miami's. We go to the article from the Washington Post. It asks the question who will get the number one pick in the 2020 NFL draft? And there are some great statistics in this article. I want to say it was just one week ago, maybe two, that Miami had something like a 76% chance of obtaining the first pick in the draft, according to Football Power Index on ESPN. And that was due in large part to Miami's statistics with the first four games. And they are still the favorites. And it seems like folks have kind of forgotten forgotten just how bad this team has been they haven't scored more than 10 points in a game 10 0 6 and 10 and I think folks are forgetting that and it's not like the Cowboys and Chargers have been world beaters the last few weeks but those odds for the Dolphins to get the first pick in the draft have slightly decreased there are three bar graphs on this article that I think are really telling first the chance to go 0-16 in 2019 according to FPI is the Dolphins at 8% Washington and Cincinnati both have a 3% chance, and the Jets at 0-4 have a 2% chance of going 0-16. The other graphic talks about the chance for the number one pick in the NFL draft. Miami still leads the way at 42%. Washington is 27%, Cincinnati 23%, and the Jets at 9%. So Miami, right below a coin flip, and everybody else is one quarter or worse of a chance to get that first pick for the coveted quarterback we all know and love. And as far as the remaining strength of schedule among these four teams, Jets, Dolphins, Bengals, Washington, we know that the Dolphins and the, and the Jets play in the same division, so theirs are similar, only having two separate games different on their schedule. And the Jets' strength of schedule for the remaining 12 games is 443 winning percentage miami's is 458 so about 15 points off there cincinnati is next right behind miami at 467 hopefully the browns can win a couple more games and the ravens can win a couple more games and shoot that number up for cincinnati and washington's their opponents are over 500 at 513 so miami remains in the driver's seat but of course the games have to be played and this only refers to the possibility of tie breaking scenarios. You guys can find this article on the WashingtonPost.com. It's called The Dolphins Are Awful, but Washington and the Bengals still have a shot at the number one pick so we'll keep an eye on that through the tank tracker all season long but above all it's about the dolphins results they control their own tank destiny as funny as that is to say and we're going to do an in-depth dive on this game in the next segment but first if you're heading to the rock on sunday for this game get there with vivid seats make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the vivid seats app help you get to your favorite live event Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout and receive a discount of up to $100 with Vivid Seats.
0: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft.
1: We haven't jumped into the film room for the other teams this season because, well, what was the point? We kind of knew the Dolphins were going to get ran in all four of those first games. The only spread that was less than double digits for the Dolphins so far was that opener against the Ravens, and that, of course, has been the most lopsided defeat of this Dolphins football team. But if you guys go to the LockedOnDolphins.com webpage, we're previewing Washington and Miami. And of course, we start with the records. Dolphins 0-4, Washington 0-5. It's going to be 84 degrees, about 64% humidity, and some wind in South Florida. The Dolphins are three-and-a-half-point dogs, their lowest deficit this season, but still viewed as a worse team than one of the teams in the NFL that basically is an absolute tire fire right now. And we talked about ESPN's FPI football power index. They give Miami a 37% chance to win this game. So that kind of tells you where the thought is from the odds makers. And I did want to kind of bring this thing back into the coaching staffs and the differences between the two, because as we know, Washington did just ax their coaching staff and they basically are going from Joe Philbin to Dan Campbell going from Jay Gruden to Bill Callahan, who has been running gassers all week in practice full padded practices with more hitting, taking a throwback approach to the game. You guys have seen me tweet about this, how their moniker, their attitude is to run the football. And Bill Callahan, despite the fact that Washington has been the fourth highest early down run percentage team in the National Football League, and they rank pretty much across the bottom in yards per carry on those plays and average distance to go on second down as a result. But he says that this team needs to run the football more. And he even had a quote at his presser on Wednesday saying, the team that runs the ball more usually wins. It's not about yards per carry. He is definitely an established the run type of guy. The antiquated football coach that this podcast absolutely cannot stand. But there is good news if you are on Team Tank. And I assume that if you listen to this podcast, you probably are or you disagree and you still listen, in which case, thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. But I think that there could be kind of a Dan Campbell emergence or a Dan Campbell effect here because... Bill Callahan spoke about how he wants to get some of these rookies some victories, the taste of winning a game just like the veterans have on his roster, and I think that's going to kind of vibe with the team. They're going to play physical. They're going to play aggressive. They're going to come out on fire. Like the Dolphins have said, they will too, and again, we'll talk more about Dan Kilgore's comments here in just one second, but we all know what Washington wants to do on offense, and if the Dolphins can't just stand up and stop that when it's coming right at them, then this game will get away from them. I think it's going to be an interesting juxtaposition as far Philosophies go and how Washington wants to dictate this game on the ground. All things told, a quality performance here for Brian Flores and his staff might spell good news for the future about the way they can prepare. But in the end of this, at the end of the day, the Dolphins are still a talent poor football team and so I'm not too worried about their results. I'm more worried about the process of Brian Flores and I do believe that he and his staff will coach their asses off this week and get better results because of it, but I'm not sure if they're going to win. Let's go ahead and break this thing down from the schemes and the players and talking about the Washington offensive scheme, there's really not much to look at because it's a new coaching staff, but we do know they're going to run the football and there's a little bit of variance in there between man scheme and zone scheme when it's Adrian Peterson, you're more likely to see man gap scheme when it's Chris Thompson, the pass receiving threat, one of my options for free agency next year for Miami. When he's in the game, it's more likely to be zone. As far as the defensive side goes, Greg Minuski is still a good coordinator. He's been coaching defenses since 2007. There was one year in 2016 where he was a positional coach, but he's been a DC since 07, all but that one year in 2016. And you go to the tape and you can find this thread up in the Locked on Dolphins article, Miami Washington week six preview there's a thread in there where I broke down some plays and they were two completely opposite plans last week against Tom Brady and two weeks ago against rookie Daniel Jones. Against Brady, it was eight or seven into coverage, rushing three or four, and they had success doing that against the Giants. It was pressure, pressure, pressure. So different strokes for different folks. I imagine they'll send the house at Josh Rosen and force him to make quicker decisions, an area where he struggles and attack this poor Dolphins offensive line. Now, as far as coverage, goes in the secondary, very mixed man and zone. They alter a lot between quarters and cover four and cover six. When they are in zone, they do a good job of robbing and trailing their routes underneath and funneling things into the help coverage. Their man coverage usually comes in longer down and distances and plays with a single high free safety. So man free coverage, some opportunities in that set. For the Dolphins, the Dolphins can attack that two-deep look with these bigger-body X receivers like Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. The first video in that thread shows in play early in the game where Josh Gordon tries to split the two deep safeties with a post route from the X boundary position. I think Williams and Parker will try to do that in this game as well. As far as Washington's players, it sounds like Case Keenum is going to be a go. He has a foot injury, but he practiced in full on Wednesday. And that's great news because I watched the tape between he and Colt McCoy. And I was kind of a Colt McCoy backer before this game over Case Keenum. But you watch the tape and goodness was McCoy bailing on some clean pockets, not allowing the route concept to develop. He played awful in that game Sunday. Big reason they only scored one touchdown when they did a reverse and the receiver broke multiple tackles on the Patriots defense. But the good news again, if you're on Team Tank, is that Washington's going to get Brandon Scherf back this week. They've got Morgan Moses and Vernon Davis should be ready to play on Sunday. That's going to be a lot of beef in the running game off that right side. And I think they can really attack Taco Charlton and Sam Aguavin off that side. Miami might have to counter and go with Raekwon McMillan in that strong stack backer position off the, the right side of the offensive line. We'll see what they do there. But obviously Washington wants to grind this thing into a pulp. And once they do that, they can then unleash the speed of Terry McLaurin, who is pro football Focus's 15th overall graded receiver right now. Three touchdowns, 308 receiving yards. And he averages 3.6 yards after the catch, which tells you he's a difficult tackle. And this Miami defense has not tackled well so far this year. Quarterbacks targeting McLaurin are averaging a passer rating of 126.8. So he's been producing. Run the ball, throw it to Terry McLaurin. That'll be their game plan. I expect Xavier Howard to travel with McLaurin if he's healthy. He was limited Wednesday. So we'll find out more about that. On the other side of the ball, that three-man pass rush is led by Tim Settle, which is surprising because he was a fifth-round draft pick, and Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen were both selected in the first round two and three years ago, but Settle had two sacks on Brady, one up over the nose and one from the five technique. He has a quick, explosive move and active hands. Payne and Allen are both power players. We'll find out if they want to blitz the crap out of Josh Rosen. I think they will, but these guys can win these one-on-one matchups, and they can find a way to get Ryan Kerrigan one-on-one off the right side who is that going to be Jesse Davis maybe Jamarcus Webb not quite sure yet either way I think Kerrigan will have a day and get some pressure on Rosen right off his right side and then Landon Collins in the secondary they do a lot of disguise coveraging in that back part of the secondary and a lot of that has to do with jumping crossing routes and trying to rob those routes and I think that's an area where Rosen can get in trouble he's not the best anticipator he sometimes misses on accuracy at that level and kind of folds to pressure I I think that's a big time opportunity for Washington to steal some possessions that way. And as far as the Dolphins opportunities, they're going to have to shut the rundown if they can do that. They should find a way to win this game, and that all starts with making Case Keenum one-dimensional. Keenum can actually function quite well when he has a solid running game, so if the Dolphins can't get that achieved, they're going to lose this game, but if they can't stop the run, it'll be close down to the very end. As far as Miami's concerns, I talked about Rosen. I think this is going to be a disaster game for Josh Rosen personally, and sure, you're going to say, Travis, you're biased. You like these college quarterbacks better, but I just think this is one game where it's going to be close for the most part, a competitive game, and the way Rosen responds should be awfully telling. So far, it hasn't worked out for him pretty much any stop of his career so far winning these types of games UCLA, Arizona now in Miami all bad football teams granted but I do think that the way the Washington defense plays the pressure they can put on him from all areas and dropping 6, 7, 8 into coverage should really bother and rattle the young quarterback I think he's going to have a couple of interceptions in this game I think Washington gets some short fields and takes advantage that way and because of the gifted extra possessions Washington can more commit to the running game and kind of wear this Dolphins defense down like everybody else has so far this season. This game is going to set football back several decades. Special teams and the turnover battle battle are likely going to settle the winner. I'm going to take Washington here because of the bad game I think Rosen will have, and I think Keenan will protect the ball enough to give Washington the win. I'm going Dolphins 9, Washington 16, Miami falls to 0-5, and, and that puts them on the hot track, the fast track, to go after Tua Tonga-Vailoa. My prediction is that the loser of this game gets the first pick in the draft, and the reason I think that. Talked about it today. Talked about it yesterday. I think Washington's scheduled the rest of the way probably only sets up for one or maybe two more chances at winning a game. And I think they have to take advantage in this short window right now with the new coaching change and kind of working off that momentum and that gusto. I think it's their best chance to find a win right here. If they don't get it done right now, the Dolphins could win one or two games and push themselves out of the sweepstakes altogether. So however you feel, tank not on the tank. This game is pivotal either way in determining the odds on who is the favorite to get the first pick in the draft. And if you guys want to put some money down on who gets that first pick in the draft or this game itself, you guys got to check out my bookie. You ever find yourself wishing that you could make some extra cash with your NFL knowledge? Well, at my bookie, they want to make your dream come true this season. Right now, all players are invited to play the free $50,000 Survivor Contest, Winner Takes All. The contest starts on October the 8th and closes October the 14th before the start of Monday Night Football. Pick one team each week, survive the longest, and you can take home $50,000 in cash money. Make a successful deposit with MyBookie and you'll receive a free entry into the contest today. Between football season, the MLB playoffs, and the start of basketball and hockey, it's time to get off the sidelines and get in on the action. If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to MyBookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. And if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit just use promo code LOCKED ON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKED ON. Visit mybookie.ag where you play, you win, you get paid.
0: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
1: We'll do some Twitter mailbag questions on tomorrow's show. I'll be breaking down the game on Sunday with my live video updates. Easier to give those updates this year when the game's more about preseason outcomes and trying to find individual performances than really sitting down as a fan and watching the game so that'll be easy for me of course Saturday we'll have the college football update the quarterback prospects Channing Crowder told me I do a great job on those that was one of the best things I've ever heard in this industry as I did the Hawk and Crowder show on Wednesday I think they have that mp3 up for you guys by now if you want to check it out I probably retweeted it on my timeline so go back and check that out but to get a chance to talk to Channing Crowder who was always one of my favorite players. I was actually in attendance in that 2008 game against the Patriots and Matt Castle and Randy Mosco and Ham on the Dolphins defense when he got ejected, and he even told me he's going to tell me one day the story of what really happened there between he and Matt Light, and he also offered me to go out and have a drink or two with him, so I'm looking forward to that opportunity with the crazy party animal himself and Channing Crowder. He sounds like an awesome dude, a fun guy to be around. I always loved watching him play, even when he made mistakes. I thought he did it in grand fashion and was fun to watch. So Channing Crowder, good guy. Check out that radio show on 790. And Zach Duarte was filling in for Hawkman. So check that out with Channing Crowder, myself, and Zach Duarte. And let's go ahead and talk about one of the main topics that made its way throughout the Dolphins Twitterverse and the Dolphins fan base this week. It inspired me to write an article up on LockedOnDolphins.com, which published on Wednesday. So you guys can go back and check that out if you have not seen it. But Jerome Baker and Dan Kilgore made some comments about tanking and fans that are a fan of the tank or the idea of the tank and the number one draft pick Jerome Baker went more cutthroat right after the fans he's 22 years old this is his second year in the NFL and a lot of people took exception to it a lot of people used it as kind of fuel to their fire for why you should not tank but basically Jerome Baker said if you're rooting for a tank you're not a true fan a true fan I just never really believed in that whole idea Everybody fans their own way. Do your own thing. I went over a big spiel on this, a diatribe on yesterday's podcast, but I still hold true to that comment. But Jerome Baker, I think... I get that he's supposed to say that because you just kind of have to have that mentality if you play in this league, and even if you don't have that mentality, you have to fake it till you make it. You can't say anything else to reporters, so I'm not going to get in an outrage about it. I do disagree with him because I would actually argue that it means you're a bigger fan, that you're willing to kind of take a step back and embrace the suck to get better in the future. Fans that really think that every week you should be fully loyal and in tune to your team, I just don't agree with that. We'll talk about that more here in just one second, but Jerome Baker Taking personal exception to the idea of the tank, but the veteran center, Daniel Kilgore, he's about my age, I think, like 31, 32 years old. He said this, this team is going to compete their asses off. We're going to go out on Sunday and go to win as much as I'm sure everybody wants us to lose to secure the number one overall pick. I don't give a damn. And that comment made its way around, once again, the Twitterverse. And it's just kind of the same idea. Like, what else is he supposed to say? I don't really care about it. I get the idea, the mindset. These guys have that day-by-day mindset. You've heard Brian Flores and every other coach in the history of the league preach that mentality. And Kilgore, one of the captains of this team, is basically just echoing that sentiment. So I'm supposed to give this big diatribe on this. And frankly, it's just all kind of words to the winds to me. It's whatever. Have your own personal feelings. You love this team. That's great. That's all that matters. We all want this team to win. And I want to speak about the idea of the true fan real quick, because I was thinking back to this the other night. When was the last time that you voluntarily removed yourself or missed a Dolphins football game on Sunday? Now, Mine goes back to 2015. I left the house during that Buffalo Bills trouncing. I went to the gym because it was like 41 to 10 or whatever it was. And I thought I'm probably good on watching this. But I was thinking, when was the last time I didn't have my butt in my chair in front of the TV for kickoff of a Dolphins game? And it was actually 2004, my junior year of high school, because they moved the game up that week to Saturday. And I had plans to go to the local amusement park with my girlfriend at the time, which, you know, 16-year-old relationships, those are always a fun time, but that 2004 opener after they traded Ricky Williams and got beat by the Titans at home, that's the last time I voluntarily did not put myself in front of the TV. But again, it was because the game got moved up and I couldn't watch it anyway, as it was not on local TV back in the pre-Sunday ticket era for myself. So I guess that's where I kind of take exception to the idea that you're not a true fan if you want this team to lose, because I want nothing more than a Super Bowl, and I think that getting the first pick is the quickest, best step to make that happen. All right, let's go ahead and lighten the mood to end this Thursday podcast. I put a thread out on Twitter asking for your best tank season analogies. And we'll start here with mine. It's like going to the dentist. I know it's going to suck. I know it's going to be painful, but I endure it because I know I'll be better off for it. And so I wanted to read some of your guys' analogies here on the Thursday podcast. I said Friday, but we'll go ahead and stay here with this one. This one from Steve Anderson. He's at Jersey FinFan. It's like going to college. It's going to cost you a ton of money. It's going to put your world at a halt for a period of time, but if you do your homework and you choose wisely, it's going to pay off for you big in the end. That's a great one. College debt is no joke. Probably one of the biggest scams in America as I sit here going to college right now. This one from Josh Rosen, why not at Noah's a dork? Hey, Noah, change it. It's like coming home on Friday night and doing your homework right away so that your Saturday night is free to just party. Don't I know that the 31-year-old student in me, I get all my homework done right away these days for that exact reason. I haven't had homework on a weekend this school year yet because of that. So I'll take that one as well. This one from ST, he's at Steve2T76 on Twitter. From my brother. Okay, so he's doing this for his brother who's at TUTFritz27. It's like watching your baby through ultrasound during a pregnancy. You see the potential of what will eventually become, but it hasn't been born yet, so the only tangible return is morning sickness and hope, excitement for the future. That's hilarious. And while I don't have any children yet, I can imagine that's probably pretty accurate. This next one from Pat. He's at Patty Perk. Tanking is like folding a nut flush draw. Oh, this is my poker buddy. What's up, Pat? Tanking is like folding a nut flush draw. When there is a big bet and a big raise in front of you, you don't want to do it and you know there's that there's a chance not doing it could work out, but we don't gamble, we play the odds and make our money with high percentage plays. But yeah, the pot odds, Pat. The pot odds, Pat. The next one here from Eldon Jensen. He's at EJ Football. I'm just kidding. You're right. You're a professional. I'll leave it to you for the poker advice. Eldon Jensen says, It's like scratching your nails on a chalkboard. It looks bad, it sounds bad, and it's annoying as hell. But in the end, well, it's just as annoying as hell, and we have no idea if it served any purpose. And then he hashtags it, bad analogy defined. So I guess a bad analogy there, and I agree with you. This next one from Stephen J. Wilson. He's at Stephen J Wilson 11 on Twitter. Being in a comfortable but not happy relationship. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody has been happy with this relationship with the Dolphins, which has been pretty much one-sided for the last 20 years. I think it's been probably since 08, since everybody was really unanimously happy. Let's do one more here. This is from Kathleen at Kathleen underscore NOA. It's like when I go through my 12-week fat loss cut, Three months of no alcohol and barely any carbs. I watch people eat, drink, whatever they want, and want to cry as I eat the same chicken and veggie meal 20th time in a row. However, after those three months, I realized it was all worth it. That is the perfect analogy and a great way to end. I haven't had that kind of discipline with my diet in years. I do work out still, but eh, I'm just trying to kind of keep it tight, keep it in shape. So I definitely sympathize with the bodybuilder and how much discipline is required to avoid all the delicious foods the world has to offer. Okay, we have officially gone off the rails on this Thursday preview edition. It's almost like a mailbag podcast, which we'll have for you guys on tomorrow's show. We'll lock it up and get to your Twitter questions and talk about College Football Friday, but that will be tomorrow. As for today's show, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at WinkfieldNFL. The Show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at lockedondolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Thursday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow with a Friday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.